Welcome to Miles and Smiles, a podcast about love, service, and discovery. I'm your host, Julie Hatch. Join me on this adventure called life. To connect with me, visit thetruelovetour.com. Welcome. I'm so glad to be here. This is the week of Valentine's Day, a day that either you dread or you love. (laughs) There never seems to be middle ground when it comes to Valentine's Day. What I want to share, though, is about love. I want to share about what it means to love, why love is so hard to define, what I've learned through marriage about love and through my relationships, how to love people we disagree with, and more. So stay tuned and I'll be right back. In church today, we had a really great discussion about how can we show love, respect, and consideration for others when we don't see eye to eye and when there are stark differences in what we believe in, uh, what our choices are, and what we think and feel. I want to pose this question to you. And start a conversation about this because I think quite possibly this could be the very question that helps us all learn how to become more united as mankind. I think we need to have an open and honest conversation about what do we do if we come across people who have different lifestyles, different ideas, different beliefs, different thoughts, what do we do? Now, some of you may not think that this is an issue, but if you've ever been on social media, specifically Facebook, (laughs) you may have encountered a time or two when you witnessed a really stressful thread where people were just upset and heated and mouthing off or saying things without thinking or, you know like kind of just trash talking and dumping and like emotionally vomiting all over the place, like totally triggered and up in their stuff. Right now, sometimes, (laughs) sometimes we have encountered this. Sometimes we haven't, but even in, you know, day to day living, uh, we, we encounter people, you know, if you've ever had a job in, customer service or something that is customer service related, inevitably somebody will come in and they're upset. And and even when you try to reason with them or rationalize with them, they just are not on the same page as you. and They disagree with everything you say. So what I'm getting at is there's, if there hasn't been, there probably will be a time when you encounter somebody who doesn't think and feel the same way you do. 
I think that there is a lot of fear, at least from what I've been able to witness, there's a lot of fear that we as a society have. And that fear comes from, I think, the we see it rise in issues such as bullying, or we see it come up with harassment issues, we see it come up with uh, anytime there's an election, you know, and people are, are disputing or trying to defend themselves. It's almost as if society enters conversations already on the defense to the point that there's sort of this unwillingness to listen because they're afraid that their feelings will be invalidated, their thoughts will be invalidated, that there will be some form of rejection or isolation, some form of condemnation or judgment that they will have to endure. And so it's almost like everyone is engaged in conversations of both sides being on the defense and then nothing gets resolved. Have you ever encountered that? It's it's really unfortunate. And and even when issues come up such as your, you know, your identity, the way you identify yourself, your lifestyle choices, you know, what do you do? There's a notion being sold out there that I've heard many times, which is you can't love me if you don't agree with me. That is deception at its best. If you believe in that, it is a myth and it's a complete fabrication of lie. That means that everybody on the earth would have to be the same in order for love to exist. And that is just ridiculous. It's a, it's a stupid notion. I'm just going to say it. You can disagree and that's fine, but I think it's stupid <laughs> and that it has no truth to it whatsoever. I married somebody who's very different than me. And I love them. I love my husband so much. And we are very different people. And sometimes we don't see eye to eye. It does not change my love for him, nor does it change his love for me. So I think, you know, there's plenty of relationships like that. And I think they're proof that that notion is just a complete lie. And, and that, we ought to be very careful about not drinking that lemonade and not buying into that notion because it's just bonk. It does not stand up and hold up. You can show love through respect and consideration. We all can. But when it comes down to these situations where there's differences We don't know how to handle those differences without compromising ourselves or our values, our thoughts, our our feelings. We don't know. So we're not having these discussions, or if we do have them, they're combative and everyone's on the defense. It's like one extreme or the other. No one's talking or everybody's talking at once and nobody's listening. So what can we do to get on the same page? What can, how can we show love for our neighbor, for our friends, for our family who disagree with us? And how can we still be true to ourselves? This is the question. And I think it's one of the most important and crucial questions that each one of us 
ought to ask ourselves. And then share. I mean, honestly, I have wondered myself, you know, I am a person who does not agree with certain lifestyles. And, and I really, um, I have very Christian beliefs and deep, deeply religious beliefs that most of society probably would balk at or, <laughs> or, or criticize. And that's fine. But how can I how can I love somebody who doesn't understand me, who doesn't see eye to eye with me or agree with me and not compromise myself? How can we do that, right? Or let's say, I mean, think of everybody who still is in the closet because they're afraid of rejection, right? So how can they um, share their thoughts and feelings and and feel like they, that there's a safe space to do that in or that they can trust people with their innermost thoughts and feelings, right? So it can be reversed, whether, you know, whatever, wherever you land, be whether you're a Christian, an atheist, a, you know, part of the LGBTQT community, um, whatever, wherever you see yourself and wherever you find yourself, if we each asked ourselves this question and had an open and honest conversation about it, maybe, just maybe, we could, we could have these conversations. Maybe, just maybe, we can start to unite as a people, as mankind, and, and hold a space for love and healing. I don't know one person who doesn't want to be heard who doesn't want to be understood. And we may not understand each other, and that's okay. It really is okay if we don't understand each other. But, you know, I, I, I said this before, I'll say it again. Respect isn't something that needs to be earned. It should just be given. And I say that because no one is perfect. So let's just stop holding these expectations over each other's heads about needing to meet a certain criteria in order for there to be respect. You and I and everybody in this world were created as equals. So we ought to treat each other that way. And when we lend each other respect, that opens the door for a healthy association and a healthy relationship with others. Without it, you cannot have a healthy relationship. We are, in a sense, you know, if you if you are a neighbor, you, you have a relationship. You know, if you are, there's, what I'm getting at is there's going to be people in your life that you're going to encounter. And even if you have a relationship with them that that is low maintenance and that you don't really, maybe it's not the most consistent um, it's still a relationship. And no matter what contacts we make, we ought to be showing respect for each other. So I would suggest, I mean, communication is a big part of that. And you may want to listen to that episode that I did last week about communication, because I think it begins there. But I, I also will actually, let's see, Last week might have been boundaries, so two weeks ago I did communication. But the boundary one is also really good. 
uh, when I get back, I want to talk about self-worth because I think that plays a part. So stay tuned and I'll be right back. week, I had some major ahas about self-worth. And I realized that it's sort of what learning about boundaries opened the door for, was learning about self-worth, because they go hand in hand. (laughs) Um, Boundaries is part of understanding your self-worth. I did a post on social media recently and I shared a list of things that are considered external value, um, but aren't necessarily your core worth. Okay. So there's our core. Um, We are each created as equals. We each have value that is infinite and eternal that anything external cannot define for you. I was talking to a friend and I was sharing with her about some things that I was learning and she offered to um, photocopy a few pages in a book for me um, to to read that was specifically about self-worth. And I came across this list of external elements that people confuse as defining their worth and value for. And I was surprised because on that list was gifts and talents. And I thought, really, that's not your core. That's an external. Anything that can change or waver is really an external. Your your gifts, your talents. Um, you know, if you're not fully developed in those areas, you know, you may feel like you're not as, you know, as valuable or that you don't have as much worth as say somebody who does. Um, Maybe it's your, your uh, dates when you're on a date with somebody or maybe it's approval from others Maybe it's your status or how much you earn, or maybe it's your accomplishments. But all of those things are externals. They're not your core value. You do not define your value. God defined your value the moment that he thought you into creation. That value was already decided upon the moment you entered earth and came to earth. Actually, I would say the moment that he thought you into creation before you came to earth um, and you were just a thought in his mind. I believe that with all my heart. I believe that and I know that. And if we could all understand that, I think that we would begin to understand that 
anything external, any circumstance cannot diminish that or take that value away. It becomes a lot easier to listen to people when you realize that their thoughts, even if they disagree with you, or their beliefs, even if they disagree with you, do not determine your value or theirs. We don't determine our value, but we also don't determine everybody else's value. Everybody has value. If you have ever done anything in your life to try and make a difference, a positive difference in the life of someone else, you definitely have value. (laughs) And it could also be something that you've done to for yourself too. You know, the two greatest commandments is love God. That's the first and greatest. And the second one is love thy neighbor as thyself, which means love your neighbor and love yourself. It doesn't mean love your neighbor more than yourself. And it doesn't mean love yourself more than your neighbor. Because we are all equals. And I think there's significance in the order of those two commandments and the fact that in the Bible it says that the greatest one is love God. I think sometimes we forget about that commandment. And we show our love to God by the way, by our choices that we make and the things that we do and say. Um, We can show Him that we love Him. And I think that's really important to remember Because so often we think of God and His love for us, and we know that it's perfect love. But we forget that we too can reciprocate that love to Him. Even if it's not perfect, we can still express and offer our love to Him and and know that He will accept that and, and share in that. So I think if you understand your self-worth, that that is also how you can have respectful, considerate um, associations with other people. I think that that is a foundation. That's a piece that I think is missing a lot. I think that there's many people uh, who are in this world who don't really and truly understand their worth and value or they they think that it has to do with something they've done to earn it their level of education their job description their status their paycheck their their significant others their friends who they associate with I mean I can go on and on and yet I, I think too that there's also a lot of people who are very successful Uh, And they don't understand why they feel empty. They don't understand why they just aren't happy. And I think it has a lot to do with the fact that they truly don't understand their value. They don't understand that their value isn't something that they even determine and that it is their core. It is their core. It's nothing that is outside of the core. It is their core. It is who they are. They are value and they are worth. And so are you and so am I. And there's nothing that can diminish that or take that away. Nothing. So 
I think communication is key. And I think understanding our self-worth is also key. When I get back, I want to share a little bit more with you about what I've learned about love. Throughout my life, I've experienced many different types of love. I've experienced innocent love where I saved myself for my spouse and he saved himself for me. Um, I experienced infatuation and thought it was love where, you know, you have chemistry with a person and you, you act on human desire before you've really established a foundation or entered into a marriage or commitment. I've experienced love entering into a marriage without attraction being first and foremost, where that attraction slowly grew and developed through the years until it became something beautiful and that that attraction grew and increased. It wasn't there in the beginning and now it is. I've experienced many different forms of love, many different types of relationships, and each one has taught me something valuable. The relationship that I'm in now, my marriage with my second husband, started off really bumpy. Um, you know, he's 25 years my senior. We had a what I call a clumsy courtship. <laughs> We weren't really officially courting. Um, He kind of entered my life at a time that I wasn't looking for love and came into my world rather unexpectedly. And uh, he knew right away that I was the one, but it took me about a year before I got on the same page with him. And even then, um, I wasn't physically attracted, I am now. And especially even more so emotionally, um, I, it's funny, I never knew that I could emotionally be attracted to somebody or mentally be attracted to somebody and that that could develop physical attraction. It's a really fa- been a fascinating discovery for me. But it is true and it can happen. Um, But what I've learned, you know, I was asked tonight by one of my kids that, you know, what is love? And I said, you know, I think love is different for everybody. And I think the reason love is complex is because it's a verb and a noun, depending on how you use it. (laughs) And so, and I think it encompasses so many different things that it's really hard to pinpoint it. You can't just say it's one thing and say, well, that's love because there's so much under that umbrella that it um, that it's very difficult. It's ha- it's hard to define. But I said I think it definitely. Um, I, I said love is a feeling of commitment. It is a feeling of 
accepting a person at face value for their strengths and their weaknesses, a willingness to work through any uh, differences or problems that arise. I think it's honoring your marriage, your fidelity. It's respecting each other, uh, being open and vulnerable with each other, which takes courage. Uh, I think it's many things. And I said, why? And they're like, I was just wondering. (laughs) So that was a really hard question for me to answer, actually, because I'd never really thought about it in that context. Never been asked, what is love? But what I am grateful for, you know, when I entered my marriage, I didn't know that my husband was on the autism spectrum. I didn't know he had Asperger's. I didn't know until five years into my marriage when we were really struggling and I was really thinking there's no way this marriage can last. I went out, I want a divorce. And, and then this miracle happened and he, uh, we both learned that he had Asperger's, you know, I'm sure when he was born, not much was known about autism. Um, In fact, when I was born, not much was known about autism. So I suspect there's probably um, many adults out there who are probably on that spectrum, which is actually a very broad spectrum. But I imagine there's several, many people, not several, many people that are probably on that spectrum and don't even realize it. But I will say that learning about it was a game changer for me and it helped me Um, have compassion for my husband. It helped me understand him. It helped me cut him slack. And I started to see how his quirks were endearing. And I appreciated him more. It changed my marriage, learning that about him. And I think over the years, you know, we're going on 13 years this year. And I think over the years, we've rubbed off on each other. It's kind of comical, really, (laughs) because neither of us were, I don't think neither of us were really expecting that. But we see it, and when we recognize it, we kind of chuckle and go, oh my goodness, (laughs) we're rubbing off on each other. Um, Truly, we are becoming more as one. We're becoming more united with each year, even though we have our differences, and we have learned how to work through many of our issues. So thankfully, we are finally at that point, And I'm grateful, so grateful that we both stuck it out, that we both took the risk. We were both scared. I was especially scared. Uh, my hands were shaking when I married him. I was, you know, oh my goodness, I hope I'm making the right choice. It was a risk. But I think that, you know, it was a risk that we were both willing to to take. And we were both committed to working on our relationship with each other and, and building something beautiful. We had the same desires. We had same goals. Um, and I think we both knew that when we entered into our marriage. But it's been a journey for sure. I haven't It's funny, even though he's 25 years my senior, the times I feel the age gap the most is when I find myself turning to him for advice. um, And I recognize his wisdom that he's gained through his life experience and living a full life. 
But other than that, I really don't feel the age difference at all. And I thought I would, but I don't. Um, age really is just a number. At, at some point, it really is just a number. And um, I'm really grateful that I didn't follow mainstream thinking of, you know, oh, you know, marriages can't work if there's big age gaps like that. Oh, my goodness. I mean, that's taboo, let alone, you know, being proposed to two weeks after you meet. That's taboo, you know. And then again, two months later, and then again, a year later. I mean, yeah, there was a lot of miracles that happened that brought us together. And all I have to say is, you know, when I divorced, my mother told me once that she prayed for me that that somebody would enter my life that could love me and love my children and treat us well. She prayed for that. That was her prayer. And I'm sure it was her prayer more than once. And I will never underestimate a mother's prayers ever, ever again. <laughs> I think she must have had a direct line to God. I didn't get what I wanted. I got what I needed. And then it turned into what I wanted. How, isn't that bizarre? Like I still now, I even now I'm like, man, that is so wild how that happens. But that's what happened. <laughs> and so, you know, sometimes love isn't always packaged the way that we think it ought to be. And I, I will say, you know, God's way his ways are not our ways. And yet I find myself so often, I have found myself so often, especially in the past where I had this ideal in my mind of the way something should be. Or when I prayed, I would expect my prayer to be answered a certain way. And more often than not, it wasn't. And it's taken a long time for me to reach that point. Like, man, his ways really are not our ways. <laughs> Um, and thankfully so. I'm so grateful that he knew better than I did what I wanted and needed because um, I found that person or he found me. We were brought together. And I really credit my my mother's prayers and, and, and my own. I prayed. I, I really wanted somebody in my life that I could love and that would love me. And I have to say, you know, I am not the easiest person to live with. And my husband has the patience of Job. He does. Oh, my goodness. I, If I could just have a small measure of that patience, it's something I have to work on all the time. Gotten better at it, being married to him. But I have a long ways to go still. <laughs> Even though that was my word last year, I still have a lot of practice to do with patience. So, you know, I think love looks differently. There are no two couples that are the same. There's some couples that they marry almost a, a mirror image of themselves. There's some couples that have sort of like that fairy tale relationship. And there's some couples that, you know, they have their opposites. They're, they're paired up with their opposites. And then there's those couples that aren't couples yet that have relationships with themselves that have loving relationships with family and friends or loving relationship with God. And, you know, whatever, whatever you 
whatever phase you are in in your life, be, be it single, be it in a relationship with another person. And I hate to say single because honestly, none of us are truly single. Nothing ever could compare to God's perfect love. Nothing. And I know that not one of us is spared from His love. None of us are exempt of His love. So, you know, (laughs) I know that during my single years, or should I say unattached years, I don't know what you want to call that, but during those years, I was so lonely because I just did not recognize that somebody, the big man upstairs, loved me all along. It was very aware of me and very active in my life behind the scenes. I just didn't see it, nor did I understand my own value, that I could have this loving relationship with myself even. So, you know, this Valentine's Day, if you're not in a relationship with somebody else, be in that love relationship with yourself, and remember that you can always share your love with somebody else, a friend, a neighbor. Everybody needs it. Everybody needs love. My mom is so cute, even when it's not Valentine's Day, whenever I've gone shopping with my mom. um, Sometimes I'll bring my daughter along and we'll go shopping. And she always brings these little hearts that she's cut out of construction paper. And I have to laugh because, honestly, I used to use construction paper all the time until cardstock arrived and, like, now I just use cardstock for everything, but my mom still uses construction paper. And she cuts out these hearts and she writes little positive messages inside and takes yarn, punches a hole, and puts the yarn through the punched hole. And then she goes and she hangs them on cars, like their little hand door handles or their antennas. She finds a place to put it on the car so that when somebody comes out of the store and they go to the car, they can they can see these cute little love notes and that my mom leaves. Oh, I didn't expect to get so emotional. But it's such an example of me, of something so simple. But I can imagine how wonderful that would have been if I had been a person during certain times of my life that could experience something like that. What a gift, right? Something so small, but sometimes you just need to hear that you're loved, that you're important, that you're beautiful, that you're good, that you do good, right? It's so nice to hear those things, even if our value isn't determined by those things. Everybody could use a lift. Everybody could use a friend. And sometimes we can be a friend and not even be seen, just like my mom is when she leaves those little notes. And I can tell you that she genuinely and sincerely means it. My mom always did thoughtful things for us kids on Valentine's Day. She would get little baggies and fill them up with conversation hearts or little candies, Valentine candies. And then she would tie them with zip ribbon, and then usually a little heart card that she made herself that would say, to Julie, love mom. She did that for each one of us kids, and 
it's meant a lot to me over the years. And now I've passed that tradition on to my children, although I don't use little bagged candies, but I give Valentine's treats and Valentine's to my husband and my children. And um, I hope one day that they carry on that tradition. There's also um, every once in a while I'll, I'll do something for a friend or somebody that I think could use a little love, a loving reminder that, you know what? You're not alone. So, you know, if you don't have a Valentine this year, go claim one and share a little bit of that love with somebody else, anonymously or not anonymously. You know, maybe it's a lunch, lunch with, you know, a friend or a sibling or a parent. Maybe it's, you know, um, a video chat with somebody long distance. Um, you know, maybe it's sending something to military who, you know, is away from family. Maybe it's, you know, going into a rest home and, you know, sharing that love with people there. So, you know, there's so many ways that we can express our love. And I think that we can hold a space of love for everybody, whether we agree with them or disagree. I hope that each of you have a beautiful Valentine's Day and that whatever choices that you make in your life, that it will foster and breed love, that it will grow love, that it will multiply love, and that your life will be rich with love. Until next time, take care and make today great.